There's another one you don't want to hear. Frankly, neither do I. in the shower of like all the blink spin-off bands like what when do i listen to them most during certain moods or feelings and i literally process it in my head like blink <laughs> is summer fun and nostalgia boxcar is either i'm happy uh mad or just like in the fall or like winter yeah and like i went through every band i was like huh the one like one the one band out of all of them that like makes me feel and think the most as far as mood wise is AVA. And what's that make you feel? That's more like a like like introspective and like if I'm really like in a weird spot and I feel like I need to do something for myself, whether it's you know go forward on like a new path, like a new job or if I feel lost and I just need some direction, like for some reason, ABA gets me in that kind of mood of like driving to a new, like pushing myself to a new thing. I I don't think terribly uh, off of that. It, it makes sense because like kind of going back to, uh, we were talking about a second ago, like the night drive thing. Like I feel like the let like blink self titled. And then the first one or two Ava records are like perfect night drive records. And the thing with that, that goes along like with what you're saying is, I feel like night drives are introspective. Like normally when I think of night drives, I think of like a solo night drive. I mean, there's different songs, there's different songs if you're with somebody, but like, I feel like those are introspective albums that you can kind of put on and just by yourself in isolation drive and just kind of what you're talking about, like think about the future or like whatever the fuck you got to do next, you know, for, for whatever reason, they're good for that. I think it's like that that like anthemic like the arena sound to it like i think that has something to do with it because i feel like self-titled is that way in a lot of ways too and uh i think production wise it's kind of similar to like we don't need to whisper so i don't know i kind of feel okay. like that plays it, to me at least i feel like that plays into the mood of why you know why i like it when i like it yeah because it's funny you say it's a good nighttime drive album for me we don't need to whisper was always like sunrise album Really? Yeah. It's a sunrise or sunset album, but I still need some light. <laughs> I could see sunset more. But, I mean, again, that's the beautiful thing about music is, like, neither of us are wrong. You know what I mean? It's not like there's, like, no, no. a wrong or right. It's, like, it's very interesting, though, how people process it differently, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, total opposite sides of the day. Like, one is, like, well, I guess not terribly. One's, like, driving at, like, one in the morning. Then one's driving at, like six or seven in the morning, you know? Yeah. Like I, there was times where like me and a couple of friends, we would drive to Chicago in the morning and we try to beat traffic on like the weekends. So we'd go early so we can hang out all day. And like the, the sun would be like coming up at like, you know, six o'clock ish. And as you're like heading towards the city, you see the skyline and the sun's coming up over it. Oh, I love that. And then you just like, you hear like the intro to Valkyrie missile. And it's just like, oh fuck yeah! <laughs> okay, you are selling me on this. I I am seeing where you're coming from. You're kind of you're kind of selling me on it. Like when I'm thinking of, because I can totally think of like seeing a sun rise over like a city skyline and shit, and like just the beauty of it, and like being half awake too, kind of like that. Like, because because that's the other thing with that too is that's the other thing 
with music for kind of that time is like you're already more than likely you're probably just woke up or you're about to go to sleep. So either way, Mm -hmm. you're not 100% there. Like you need something to kind of pump you up. And uh, yeah, that's kind of where you're selling me. I'm like, I'm thinking of that record and I'm like, fuck, I could see that getting my really getting me fucking pumped. If I, if I had that with like fucking the sun rising over Chicago, that, that might fucking rule. I do remember it when I bought a I empire and I was listening to it like night one, I listened to it like all through the night and I fell asleep. And I, I remember, I don't remember what it was now, but I remember my dreams, like the dream that I had that night, like coincided with like the first, like three or four tracks of I empire. God damn. <laughs> The dream fucking walker, dude. Dude, right? It it was weird. (laughs) Like, as like, I remember waking up and being like, this part of the dream must have been happening at some point during like Love Like Rockets or whatever. But do you know, like, 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 do you know how much Tom DeLonge would love to hear this? That like he all that like Angels and Airwaves altered your dreams. Like he'd be shitting himself right now. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, yeah, that's what that's what we made the music for. Yeah, he's, yeah, just very matter of fact. He's like, yeah, that's what it's made for, to alter your mind and yeah. your dreams. Yeah. <laughs> I could see him doing that. Like, he, he like, writes an Ava record where it's like, this this will, like, if you listen to this, it will fucking, uh, it'll, like, make you lucid dream. Like, just, just try mm. to, like, just fuck with people's, like, some co- subconsciouses <clears throat> and, like, just your mind and everything. I, I could see him doing some things like that. <clears throat> oh, God, Gatorade just went down the wrong pipe. Oh fuck! That is not a um, that's not a pleasant uh, taste uh, to go down the wrong but, pipe. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure the uh, the the Dreamwalker uh, ordeal was supposed to like do that hint at that kind of stuff because I think when when uh, Angels and Airways was on uh, uh, the Mark Hoppus show when it was like that really awkward interview. I love uh, that interview. Oh, it's fucking great and mark is loving it <laughs> oh yeah he he is him and i think the yeah. uh what's his what's his face the bass player at the time of ava matt. yeah i think matt was having the most fun mark mark and matt i think were having the most fun in that interview yeah but i think there was a point where uh uh mark asked tom a question about something and tom was talking about like oh yeah you know i really like i really want to work with like music like like I'm, he's like I'm really interested in like dreams and this and that. And I think he was referencing towards the Dreamwalker, like EP or record or whatever it was. Maybe it'd be the right and timeline. After, and and a- after Tom says that, like after he like says his statement, Mark just looks at his cue card. He's like, "You're fucking weird, man. You're fucking weird." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't bring that shit to Blink. Those are the times where he's probably had. Well, I guess it doesn't matter now, but like then that like he still kind of had Ava because like even though people may bitch that like okay like maybe like some of that bled into like the uh, post reunion Blink it's like I'm sure it's still good he had that outlet because if he didn't imagine then what like neighborhoods and shit would have sounded like if he didn't have Angels and Airwaves to kind of get some of that stuff out you know yeah it'd, <laughs> it'd be interesting to see like where that could have gone like not like interesting like I want to hear it but just like what what could have been if like that outlet was available then you know to kind of i i guess i'm talking shit here and i've never really thought of this but like the other thing too is thinking of the timeline you almost feel like had tom not been working like on love during that time 
Like, I, I wonder, like, that extra effort or, like, like whatever it is, you know what I mean? Like, more time and love into Blink instead of doing it at the same time. I, I feel like that might alter shit, too. Again, again, I don't know good or bad, but it's just one of those things where you kind of talk about, like, the big what-ifs. And that's kind of one, because mm-hmm. it's like, I forget that. You know, he was doing both at the same time, so it's not like Blink... Blink was maybe the I don't even know if I'd say main though. I feel like they were juggled about fifty fifty. I don't I don't feel like uh Angels and Airwaves went on the back burner. I feel like they both were kind of uh you know, half his time was in one, half was in the other. Yeah, definitely. You know. But uh I don't know. I feel like this sounded good around the time we were talking about uh uh you were talking about blink and side projects and like different, you know, different vibes and stuff. So I think we're going to fucking get into it. This is a uh, bonus episode of the Power Chord Hour. I haven't done one of these in a while. But uh, kind of, which, I mean, shout out if you haven't figured this out yet. My boy Kyle Steven here with us tonight. And uh, kind of a really shout out to him. I mean, kind of a last minute thought. But uh, Blink-182's pop punk masterpiece, Take Off Your Pants and Jacket. And uh, one of the greatest album titles of all time is as well. Uh, they really did have a three-two punch or a one-two-three punch or whatever with uh, Dude Ranch, Enema of the State, and Take Off Your Pants and Jacket. I mean, those are those are some quality fucking titles. But anyways, Take Off Your Pants and Jacket turns twenty. Uh, at least as we're recording this, maybe it's uh, older now when you're listening to it. But I don't know. Me and Kyle are going to talk about a little, not like our normal track by track. We're not even going to do that. It's just kind of a just kind of bullshit and celebrate this record like. It's a great, it's a great fucking record. I mean, Kyle, like, where does this one sit for you in Blink's catalog? I mean, is this, uh, you know what I mean? Like, as far as like, if you were doing like your, uh, would it would it hit your top ten? Would it hit your top three? Oh, actually, that's stupid. Uh, it, top ten. I don't even think Blink has ten <laughs> records. That was that was stupid. <laughs> All right, top ten list. Blink records. Go. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Fly swatter. Yeah, this. Uh, yeah, right. This. Uh, this record definitely sits in the top five it would probably teeter in the top three maybe depending on my mood i guess what would your what would your top three blink records be if i'm not putting you on the spot um i would have to say like so enema would probably be my number one uh probably then oddly enough i would probably have to either do so I'm going to name three records because they're, they'll all kind of flip flop, but there's no solid. It changes. Like, it changes. Three. Right. I yeah. Mean, so Enema would, Enema would be number one and I'm not going to count, uh, Mark, Tom and Travis show at all, but it would be Enema and then probably interchangeable between, uh, probably this take off the pants jacket, dude ranch and Buddha. Nice. Nice. I, I love that you, uh, have Buddha that high up Buddha's I I think that one gets overlooked I think it's just because it's viewed as like like a demo of sorts yeah and I mean yeah the quality isn't great but there's so much like there's a lot there that you can kind of start picking and pulling and being like hey this is early blink but you can see like the trajectory like the trajectory of their sound and where they're kind of going in some of those songs. So you can like pluck a song, like, like, you know, like a Fentuzler or even like 21 days. And you can probably put them on another record 
And, you know, obviously they'd sound a little bit different for the era, but you can like pick and choose little songs here and there and pop them in. And they wouldn't be that far out of place. I feel like. No, I, I think you're right about that. I, I think, and the other thing with it too, though, my argument is, and you're right. I think people say like, Oh, it's kind of rough around the edges or it doesn't sound great. Okay. It's not as well produced as later stuff. But it's not unlistenable like like Fly Swatter or something like that. Like Fly Swatter is recorded so badly, yeah, it's not even fun to listen to something like that. Whereas Buddha isn't the most well-produced album, but like for it being a quote-unquote demo, I, I think they don't sound half bad. I mean, I don't think they sound – I feel like Cheshire Cat might sound better, but not by a whole lot. You know, I mean, considering that's, a, that's considered a full length, this is considered a demo, I would say quality-wise – uh, Buddha's Buddha's not bad at all, but I don't like if I if I had to do mine. See, I made you do your top three, and it's a hard one. I mean, Dude Ranch has always not always been my number one. I'd say the last few years, uh, probably around. I feel like that's really when I knew I grew up around like twenty four, twenty five. My uh, favorite, I, I think, at one point, Take Off Your Pants and Jacket would have been my favorite. And then as I've gotten older, Dude Ranch is number one. I mean, Enema has to be two. And then three is hard because it would either be self-titled or it would be this. And I don't know. It's very hard because self-titled, this is is where it gets into it. Self-titled is probably technically the better record just in the sense of musicianship and like lyrics and everything. I mean, Take Off Your Pants and Jacket is like a a perfect like pop punk record in so many ways. But I feel like self-titled just, you know what I mean? It, It just goes so many different places. It takes so many more chances that like... That's probably the better album, but this is the album that got me into Blink. So it's like, you know, it's kind of hard to not have it in the top three because it's like, you know, I mean, fuck, like these are the songs that made me, you know, like love the band in the first place. So I, I don't know if it, if it wasn't uh, if it wasn't number three, it, it would it would be three or four. It would teeter kind of like you were saying, kind of teeter back and forth. But uh, I mean, I, I fucking love this record. And like, do you remember the first time you heard it? Like, did you hear when it came out? Did you hear the singles? When they, uh, I, I really like, I remember my mom buying this on cassette when it came out, but like, I'm too young to remember, like if I heard like singles and shit on the radio and stuff first. So I can't remember if a lot of that stuff got played before the album itself came out. But like, do you, do you remember hearing a first song or just getting the album for the first time? Yeah, I remember both. Uh, I remember seeing rock show for the first time, like, and, and it came, it came out before the album was released. And I thought it was like a cool video. I, I love the concept of it, of like, they like horsing around with just like wads of money yeah. and like just doing stupid shit with it. And I remember seeing it thinking like, that's so cool. Like, like if, if this is real, how they like made the video look, how they were just given money to make a video and they just do whatever with it. I thought it was like a cool way to be like, eh, fuck you. Like we're not going to do like this huge big production video, like with, a bunch of actors, actresses, and make a storyline. It's just like, let's just have fun and be stupid. So I remember seeing that, but then months later, after the album came out, I got it on like my 13th birthday, I think. Yeah. And it was just like one of those like, happy birthday, here's a CD. I, we know you like Blink-182. And I remember looking at it being like, yes, like this is the album that I wanted. And after listening to it, I remember I was in the front yard of my house, outside listening to it on like a little like boom box 
And by the time it got to Happy Holidays, you bastard, <laughs> I thought it was like I thought it was like the most fun thing ever. I'm like, this is awesome. This yeah. is cool. And my parents have no idea what they gave me. <laughs> I I love that. And I didn't because like I I did. My mom had that, and my my dad for that sake too. I think both uh, had that album long before I had my own copy. But like, I it, that is the appeal of Blink though to a young to a young kid because like I remember being seven or eight when like she got it, and right away, yeah, Happy Holidays, you bastard. You're like, what's this? Like, I love. I mean, to this day, if you listen to this podcast, you know I love saying. I mean, I talk like a pirate. So at eight years old, I'm hearing this and I'm going like, what it? What is this? Like, and and I'm actually. I'm being funny, but I'm really not because really at that age, I mean, like, okay, the rest of the song sounded okay, but that is the one that grabs your attention. It's Christmas Eve and I've only wrapped two fucking presents. And, you know, I mean, that's, that's fucking hilarious. And it's early on too. It's not even like they bury that. That's like track four, like right after first date. Uh, Yeah. It's number four. Yeah. Like, I, I love that. It's like, it's thrown right at the front. Like they like, and again, the other thing too is like, what the the thing you got to give Blink is yes, this is a commercial record, and I think it's a continuation of Enema and kind of having a more radio friendly sound than maybe like on Dude Ranch and shit. But they really didn't like like if you want to if you want to say like integrity like they didn't and and it kind of sounds funny, but like Blink's artist integrity like like you were saying like the Rock Show is very much a Blink video that is very much a the kind of snotty fuck you attitude like you know like we're we're a big band and stuff but we're gonna like yeah we should do this big budget music video but instead we're gonna get a homeless guy like a haircut and a lap dance like we're gonna like (laughs) just destroy a van and like blow up shit like i mean they're gonna do that and like again their major label debut i mean the first the first two you got dude ranch and enema of the state you're naming them but I mean, on this one, Enema was big because Dude Ranch had, you know, damn it, damn it, and Josie did okay for them. But you know, they weren't a huge band. But Enema was the one they blew up on. And on Take Off Your Pants and Jacket, I mean, yeah, maybe some of the songs you have more, you know, pushing more for singles like with First Aid and Rock Show and stuff. But again, the album is called Take Off Your Pants and Jacket. You have a song like Happy Holidays, You Bastard. You have a video like, you know, uh, like the rock show and same with first date. I mean, it opens with them fucking walking in the room and he's talking about kissing his own brother. And he's like, <laughs> like father, like son or whatever. Like, like, it's just, it's not like they tamed themselves. You know what I mean? Like, as they got bigger, they really didn't tame themselves. And then the bonus tracks on the fucking album too, I mean, are some of the filthiest songs. I mean, I, I, I'd say they outdid their, uh, older joke songs really on uh, on this one. So, I mean, you really, as funny as that may sound, calling that artistic integrity, I mean, the whole juvenile humor and the youthful spirit of Blink, I don't think they lost that as they got bigger on this record. You know, I don't I don't feel like, and same with that, they work with Jerry Finn and stuff again. It's not like they, they worked with, like, some other, like, like, Jerry Finn, I feel like, kind of had his, it was, you know, like, he worked with people, but I don't feel like Jerry Finn was, like, the biggest name in the world really until blink got you know like blink and green day and stuff but like you know i could easily see like mca being like no you should you know work with a rick rubin or like something like this and we got to have whoever the biggest actors and actresses of 2001 were like yeah we got to have them in the music video and like shit like that and they didn't really do any of that you know what i mean like they were on a bigger scale but it's like they were still just, you know, telling dick jokes and stuff. They're kind of just still the same band. Yeah, like like you said, like they didn't really lose Blink here. Like Animal of the State put them on the map, 
as far as like, you know, mainstream recognition. Yeah. But this record like solidified their place and it wasn't just like a one hit done type of band. Like they came out with uh, the rock show and first day say together for the kids. And yeah, those videos were fun. I mean, granted, Stay Together for the Kids was much That's more That's the serious, funniest yeah. one. Stay Together for the Kids is the funniest <laughs> video of, of oh, all Oh, man. Of I, I, I laugh in tears every time. Divorce no, is the funniest. Jeez, uh, this is terrible. <laughs> but, uh, but no, like, they, they it, like, it, it solidified their spot in, like, mainstream pop punk, punk rock, rock music, whatever you want to say. And the fact that they still were able to like do stupid shit. And then like the tour that they did following up this record, they had the giant flaming fuck sign, <laughs> which like, there's no, like, yeah, there's bands that would do it now, but band, like, I, I can't think of any bands They're that were really quick. like, yeah, I can't think of any bands then that were really kind of pushing that kind of jokey, you know, um, pushing that envelope, you know, except for maybe like a band like No Effects, who would probably put some dumb shit in their like backgrounds. But other than that, it was it was cool to see, and the fact that they kept that attitude for a while after Enema, you know, m- many bands after they broke through their next ma- huge major label record, probably would have made them a little bit more straight laced, or maybe cut the jokes, and maybe you know dress a little, you know family friendly and there none of that happened <laughs> no it's just more i mean really it's kind of a more it's like when we're talking about with uh like follow-ups like when we we're talking about how insomniac's like just a darker dookie and this record i feel is like it's just a more sleeker produced enema of the state you know what i mean like they kind of there's a couple you know like and we've talked about it on multiple episodes before but you know like the stay together for the kids and that foreshadowing you know boxcar racer and like things to come and stuff but like Overall, I mean, yeah, they didn't they didn't do like a huge 360 and try to change shit. You know, they they I think realized what uh you know what people liked about them in the first place. And I would even say too, like I I will say I think there were some punk bands who were maybe not like the flaming fucking stuff, but like there's bands like Guttermouth and stuff who were maybe doing like juvenile shit. But none of those bands ever were, you know. I mean, and I love those bands, but those bands were playing to like you know. Uh, you know, like in dive bars and shit like that. Like Blink was doing that yeah, on an arena so, level, like to main, yeah, to mainstream. Exactly. Like, like that's what I always say is funny is like, they were like, like children are going out and buying a record called Enema of the state and like watching like three grown men running naked on their TV. And like, like just really just like that, that whole thing where like they did kind of bring some of the juvenile shit you'd see in punk and it's like, you know, like Green Day had a little humor to them, but never like that. And like Blink, yeah, just doubled down on it. They're kind of like, we have money now so we can do things like put a big flaming fuck, you know, like, like they, they kind of went with that. They're not, they're not like, cause really that's the other thing. Kids could start coming to your show and you might be like, all right, we got to tone these down. We can't do it. Instead, you have the Mark, Tom and Travis show where like, there's like the majority of that audience was probably teenage kids, you know, teenage girls or whatever, like with their parents and they, they did nothing to tame. Like, it's not like they like cut that shit out after like dude ranch. Like if anything, they just did it. Like, I think that was even more to them. Cause like you watch like festival videos during like, you know, enema of the take off your pants and jacket era. And it's like, then they're even in bigger crowds who aren't even always uh, their crowd. You know, they're whoever's at said, you know, festival. 
and they're just saying the wildest shit and just doing the craziest stuff on stage. Like, you know, again, like they double down on that. I don't, I don't think they, they try to tame that even if they're not like in front of their, uh, you know, like their main crowd, I guess. Yeah. I, it was funny. I was actually just telling uh, someone this super recently because they're kind of talking to me about blank and like what I liked about them. And this kind of came out of like the top of my head in the moment. And it made so much sense. And like commercially, like mainstream wise blink was like a Nickelodeon band, but you see them as like how they are on stage or like in interviews. And they're like a comedy central band. Like there's two completely different ends of the spectrum as far as like what you see from blink. And it's like me at that age, you know, at that time I was in eighth grade and it's like a perfect split between the two, like kind of, you know, points of view where it's like, I'm still a kid and I enjoy like cartoons and shit like that. But also there's comedy central. That's like got a cartoon like South park, which is super raunchy. And then they have like these raunchy talk shows, like the man show. And it was these weird, like two different like sides of the coin and me being a child, like right in the middle of that and blink melded those two sides so well that it was fun to listen to Blink because they were still like lighthearted and friendly when it came to like their mainstream music. But then you hear like some of their hits, uh, not hits, but some of the B-sides and even the hidden tracks off this record. And they're fucking terrible as far as like what like the subject matter is. But like, that's what made it so much fun and almost kind of like a, a taboo band to listen to at the time because like you hear songs like The Rock Show and this and that. And they're like, oh, this is a cool, fun summer song and then you hear like you know mother's day or when you fuck grandpa and it's just like holy shit like do people know that this exists and then yeah you talk about bringing kids to the show and like and i've heard them say it in interviews and i can only imagine what it'd be like to see like a bunch of parents with their kids in a show flaming fuck sign comes up and within <laughs> like the first 15 minutes they're talking about banging each other's dads and shit like that and just parents each just other's their own their kids around and leaving like oh it's perfect okay well honestly like you just kind of i feel like at the core of what makes them like what made them successful and what made them speak to like our age group and i think to this day still kind of speaking which i don't know i think we talked about this on on a previous episode about like if younger generations are still listening to them or not but like oh that that really it is true when you turn like your early teens really just your teens i mean really at all it's this weird time of i still want to make dick jokes and like fuck around with my friends but you're right. Then there's the serious side where it's like, you know, whether whether it's a breakup or just, you know, obsessing over something or just, you know, having just something shitty in your life happens. And that that is the yin and yang of Blink-182. And same with this record. You have, I mean, look at you have Happy Holidays, you bastard. And then right after that story of a lonely guy. I mean, that's yeah, like, like back back to back. That's and like you were talking about the bonus tracks. You have you have a song like What Went Wrong next to a song about having sex with your grandfather. Like that's like mm-hmm. the, 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 that's really like, how, like when you want to talk about extremes of one end to the other, like, I think that's why blink spoke to people that age. Cause in your teenage years, yeah, there, there is, there's that, there's that side where you are going through shit, but you are still lighthearted. You know what I mean? Like you do still think fuck is a funny word. You think dick jokes are funny. Like, you know, a line like your like just like a grandfather shitting his pants at a baseball game is just funny and being, you know, like, like I, I think that's why you really, and I, I, we, we both still love it obviously. And a lot of people do, but like, 
I do see Blink as being a band where like sometimes there's people who don't like them or there's like, you know, people who are like into punk at that time. Cause now we're going back say 20 years ago when this came out, there's people who didn't like blink or thought they were this or that. But like, if you're an older punk, you're like in your thirties and forties, like when this album came out or like blink was getting big, it's like, of course you're not gonna, but if like, this may not be your thing now, but it's like, if you're listening, if you're like listening to like the fucking casualties and rancid and like, even like no effects and like, you know, a lot of like the more, heavier like traditional punk rock like you're not gonna maybe particularly like blink but what you have to appreciate is that if you were 13 still this is a gateway into punk rock and you would probably fucking love it like i get if you discover blink and happy holidays you bastard doesn't hit you the same way when you're like 43 like i get how that song's not going to resonate with you as if you heard it at eight years old but it's like i think that's the thing with blink is like there's people who talk shit about them or go like oh they're like mall punk or you know really just like you know their salads isn't that but it's like no what they do is they get kids into punk rock you need a gateway because like fucking gg allen isn't how you get it. like maybe to some people but like there's a lot of regret like really like the further end of punk rock that's not your entry level you're not going to get into that it's too weird it's too fucking different blink is your entry mm-hmm. level blink is close enough to let you know like all the small things fits on top 40 radio like you can hear a song like that but then you can go hear enema of the state and hear you know it opening up with like dump weed and it starts to slowly go you get into that and then you start getting into other bands and faster band and kind of i mean really green day was great with that too where it's like you hear that song on the radio but my god go listen to dookie that's a punk record like that record sold tons and tons of albums and people in middle america and everywhere were like going to like Kmarts and Walmarts and like department stores and buying what is 100% a punk record like like not not kind of pseudo punk not kind of influenced by like by all means a punk rock record that could have came out on Epitaph or Fat or on uh, Lookout Records you know but ended up being on a major label and same with Blink that's why I think Blink and Green Day are both great for that where it's like look at man if if you if you've been listening to punk rock for multiple decades and you don't like this because it doesn't sound like I know I know people who, uh, you know, really like Bad Religion who don't like Blink, who like when they did that tour, when Enema was getting big and uh, Bad Religion kind of I guess I don't think it was a co-headliner. I think Bad Religion opened for him. But like I know people who have like, you know, kind of talk shit on like, yeah, like I had to go to this fucking show and stuff. But it's like, you know what? Blink was turning on how many people to Bad Religion and all these other punk and Phoenix TX who were there as well. But, you know, I mean. That's a little more on the on the blink spectrum, but like, you know, how many how many people are blink getting, you know, like getting bad religion or the vandals and shit into? Like, I know for me personally, I mean, I, I that's how I got into the descendants and screeching weasel and bad religion and uh you know, I mean all and I mean just fucking I you know, just name a punk band and it's like most of them I liked after I liked Blink one eighty two. You know, you need those entry level bands. And I yeah, think that's to, what this, this is the perfect man for that. Yeah. You need essentially a gateway drug. Yes. For yes. <laughs> like, and this is, this is your great entry point. Your great, this is your blink and green day are like your first puff at a cigarette or like a, a blunt or something. And then like you fish down the rabbit hole and find other things. And I know drugs, not the greatest reference to use, but it's, <laughs> you know, like, like Blink and Green Day were very much mainstream that everyone had access to them. They were all over the place and they just happened to 
like they'd have like a punk pop punk sound whatever you want to call it like you know on the surface level but yeah then you buy these records and you hear these you know these b-sides or these deeper cuts that aren't radio friendly or like you know they sound good but there's there's nothing that like the mainstream you know fans would like actually enjoy because it's not it doesn't have the big hook or the big chorus or whatever and like a record like take off your pants and jacket like it hits it hits a little harder than enema you know so it's still it's still blink with you know it sounds cleaner but it, ha- it packs a bit more of a punch yeah and even you know songs like uh you know stay together for the kids you know it has you know kind of that harder rawer sound um even a song like shut up which is you know you know it, it starts with a line shut the fuck up like <laughs> it sounds a little corny but like really if you like listening to the lyrics it's like it, it it has a real like deep meaning to it and it just happens to have little goofy swears here and there and you hear those songs and you're like okay there's there's something else here besides just a corny like pop punk band quote unquote and then like you said from those songs you might fall into like like you know you know, harder bands and stuff like that. You might find yourself listening to like a glass jaw or something. And, you know, or just, and you know, the, the, you know, it's like uh, the snowball effect, you know, you just start absorbing more and more and more. And this record was a great example of that because it had, you know, the, the corny poppy, you know, radio hits, but then it also had those songs that can really allow you to think more than just like, Oh, pop punk is about skateboarding and getting dumped. They had some real storytelling in these songs and a lot of like growth just between the, like Enema and this, there was a lot of growth and this album just, you know, it hits a really good spot for any like adolescent team. Cause any song on this record, essentially you, you have, if even if you never listen to this record and you listen to it, you probably can find a song that you're like, yes, this song reminds everything in this song reminds me of a particular point in my life in grade school or whatever. Oh yeah. I mean, as you, as you keep getting older, I think that's the other nice thing about blink is blink has a song for every occasion of your life. Like you can kind of relate. Absolutely. Yeah. You kind of relate to like just about minus like, I want to fuck a dog in the ass, like songs like that. Maybe not so much, (laughs) but like, you know, I would say most songs that, that blinks written, yeah, you're gonna again. It's like the relatability. Like I was, I was just thinking of as you were talking about that. Like the simplicity of something like like story of a lonely guy. Like I feel like that's one that I've always like really like. I think early on, that was one of the first songs on the album that I really liked. That wasn't like first date or happy holidays or the rock show. You know, basically yeah. not a single or a song that said fuck fifty times. And this was kind of the one, and it still isn't. Like I, I think of you know like like the chorus. Like she makes me feel like it's raining outside. That's not like a super deep lyric by any means, but it's also not a bad lyric and everyone can really, you know what he's saying. You know what I mean? Like it's very mm-hmm. like, like again, like I'm complimenting how simple that is. Like it's a yeah. pretty simple line. You know what I mean? I'm sure there's people who have said things that are pretty close to that metaphor before. You know, you've probably heard things like that similar in songs, but it's like, it just, it works so well. And another one too, I, I was thinking of like, kind of talking about delivery is uh you know like you're talking about shut up and like on paper yeah the lyrics kind of look kind of weird you'd, you'd be like like what like this song makes no sense but mark really like as funny as this sounds like 
the fuck off that he gives in the chorus is perfect. Like it's, it's like the way he delivers that, like the fuck off, I'm not listening to you. And like the whole, like the whole song, the way he delivers those lyrics, it is, it's like, he's talking to someone, you know what I mean? Like when you hear it, when you hear it delivered, when, when you're not just reading the lyrics, you kind of get it then. Like it makes sense. It's like, oh shit. Like you can hear them. Whether it's a, which is always weird because I feel like that song could either be about a girlfriend or it could be about like a parent or something. You know what I mean? It's kind of yeah, weird because I feel like it could be either. Like you could you could listen to that song as an adolescent and be like, "Yo, like you know, like fuck you, mom," and now and then like you know, ten fifteen years later, be like, "Fuck you, wife or girlfriend or like yeah. whatever." <laughs> like you know, it's kind of it's kind of like interchangeable which again goes to the mass appeal of blink where it's like you know still keeping the dick jokes and everything but writing songs where it's not just like punk you know punk kids will listen to you but it's like everyone will like just teenagers like uh, again like this is a band that i feel like people who don't even listen to pop punk at, at least more around our generation i think there's most people even if you don't listen to pop punk you like at least a few blink songs like they have at least a few on a playlist or, you know, I say iPod, but that's fucking outdated. Like <laughs> you, but you know what I mean? They like at least a handful of blink songs, even if they don't like pop punk in general, they just, they like a handful of blink songs. Yeah. And kind of going back to what you just said a little moment ago about, uh, like story, the lonely guy and kind of like how that song kind of hit when like, besides like happy holidays, you bastard and like a, a different hit, would you say that was probably like outside of the hits? like just on the on the the track listing that was like one of the first songs that like really hits you as like uh like this song kind of like this band has a little bit more deeper meaning to you now because yes. it's not just like a goofy video or anything like that 100 okay. percent, and i say that because i think when i when i think of i can tell you because like i mean I, I heard it long before that but when it finally started clicking for me i was like in seventh grade i was probably like 12 13 when i really got into this record and when you listen to the album, this is the first song on there that's that's kind of ballady a little. It shows the softer set. Like I hate to sound like that, but like it's the same where like you you're listening to a hair metal band, and the first time you hear a ballad, like you're hearing all these fucking rockers, and then all of a sudden you hear like every rose has its thorn or some bullshit, and it's kind of the same thing where it's like. It's been, you know, joke songs and singles and, you know, I mean, I, you know, like Anthem Part 2 is an amazing uh, start to the record. But like, you know, like online songs, great song. All the all the all the songs before Story of a Lonely Guy are great, but like it's standard Blink, I feel like. Like that's pretty standard Blink, the first four songs. I feel like Story of a Lonely Guy is 100% the first one where you kind of go, oh, what's this? Like this is this is different from the rest of Side A, basically. Like all of a sudden they kind of start doing something differently. Like I 100% agree with you and I think you're fucking spot on. This is kind of the first one of like, Oh, okay. Yeah. They're doing something a little different here. Yeah. Cause like, even like that song, like another song that like, at least like as I started listening to the record more and more, like there were certain songs that just kind of like I clicked with more quickly than others. And it's kind of a cornball song, but like at that time, at that age, like it was very much something that I was feeling was give me one good reason because it was very was much one. like at that age, like I'm in eighth grade. I'm kind of, you know, grade wise, like we're all King of the castle and we're all like, we all think we're cool shit. <laughs> and like me and like a small handful of kids, we're like the pop punk rocker kids. 
And if you look at us in like sixth grade, you know, two years prior, we weren't that way. And once we kind of got this attitude of punks and rebellion and wearing chain, like weird chain wallets and shorts that were way too long <laughs> and like Fox racing hats, uh, that song, like for me, was very much like a, this is kind of like my anthem of being like a quote unquote punk kid and finally finding myself and being able to kind of like show that off and be like, hey, I, this is what I am. Like, I'm proud of it. If you don't care, I don't care that you don't care. Like, fuck off. Like, this is my thing. And so like going from Story of a Lonely Guy which was very much like a sad, like, like you said, kind of ballady song. And then like later on in the record, give me one good reason was kind of like me finding myself at that age and what carried me through, you know, high school and years later. But that was kind of like the song that was like, Whoa, this song is me. This song is like what I've become. And this is my attitude towards all of it. And I wasn't like saying fuck you to a bunch of like preps and, you know, hippie kids, but I was very much like, this is me. This is my song that lets me know who I am and whatever. (laughs) No, that, that makes, it makes total sense. It's like, I think, I think the other credit to them is, uh, you know, not, not like they were fucking old guys or anything like that, but like, you know, for being in their like mid to late twenties, writing an album like this, like they never really forgot what being a teenager was like. Like they really, there is a reason why they eternally like why Tom DeLonge has had such a, to this day still has a hard time getting away from that image of being like, you know, sideways cap with a fucking lip ring and like, you know what I mean? Like, like Mm -hmm. they really, even though they were still young, it's like they really were portrayed. And I feel like represented, you know, like, like people who were like 10 years, young. you know what I mean? Like, like I mean, even Mark was like I think twenty seven, twenty eight, writing this album, and it's like you you hear songs and you're like, God damn, because you're right. Like when I was listening to this at like thirteen, I'm like, they are like, give me one good reason is one of those ones where I I think they are. They're describing like every kind of teenager or clique or like whatever it is. Like they're describing what you would see in like any fucking high school in any given year for like. I mean, still, really. I mean, I, I would still say that's probably still prevalent uh, song. I don't know how much any of that's changed. It's like I don't. I feel like no matter what, they're kind of describing teenagers and the different personalities and things like that. And uh, and it's another one where again, if you heard this album for the first time, you were like thirty eight. I could see where a song like that might be kind of cringy or not even cringy, but oh, just yeah. like it's not your favorite song on the album. It's maybe not the one you would blast when people are walking by you. But like, if you hear that song for the first time and you're a teenager, Oh fuck. Yeah. No, I, I totally, it's funny how that works. Cause I, I will, I will acknowledge that. Like, I don't think that song's cheesy because I grew up with it. I think if I heard it later on, I might be like, well, it doesn't really resonate with me. But like, again, it's not made like this is, this again is a great example. Like they're hitting, the demographic and the people who I feel like they're, you know, the the time in your life that they're writing about, your high school years, your middle school years and shit, like, that's what they're writing the about. Adolescent, you know, young adult years. Yeah, exa- exactly. And, like, though, they got that, they got that audience 100, like, more, more than you could ask for. I think they 100% hit the mark. Like, again, 
older punks maybe didn't like them at the time, but guess what? They, it wasn't, it wasn't really for them. Like, you know, at that point it's like, we're not really writing this for you. You know, it's like the people we are writing it for, they get it and they fucking love it, you know? And that, that's why albums like this were massive. Cause again, it's like, there's just really that thing where I think a lot of people try to encapsulate what it feels like being a teenager or whatever. And obviously you do it later on in life, probably when you're not, you know, I feel like most albums written about being a teenager are written about written from people who are like in their twenties and thirties and shit. But like this one truly feels like, you know, it really, like they really, even at 27, it, it, you know, or like whatever age they were writing that and singing that, that you could, uh, you could imagine that was like a 15 year old singing that song. Like, cause the brattiness too, like they never lost that. Tom fucking has that bratty delivery shit, which is amazing. Like it, it's one of his, it's one of his fortes, but like, he has the brattiness and angst of a 15-year-old in that song, like, in the best way possible. Yeah. Uh, something else you said that uh, got me thinking, <clears throat> like, uh, you said, like, you know, as an adult, you like, give me one good reason, probably wouldn't be the the roll-down-your windows and blast it <laughs> yeah. song, but what would be what would be your roll-down-window and blast it song, no matter what? Ooh, online songs, I feel like, is a... Uh... That might be one because that's as much as Anthem Part Two is a great like opener. They just hit you right away. Like online songs doesn't fuck around. It just starts right away. Like that's it. Just Mark comes in. Like I don't know. It might be that. Might be the one. That one or uh, maybe every time I look for you. That might be another one. It's a good roll down. Yeah. Most of that record's a good roll down your window. Summertime fucking drive. I mean, I know we talked about it, but like. Most of that record, besides maybe some of the more vulgar songs, maybe some of the songs that you eventually feel like you've aged out of, like most of that's very good. Roll your fucking window down, blast the shit out of it on a on a hot summer day. I mean, that's always mm-hmm. that's always like a go to record for that. Yeah, mine would definitely be every time I look for you. It's a classic, and maybe yeah. I mean, for me, like spoiler alert, if anyone hasn't listened to it, but. Uh, that song was my number one on the top five blink list. I forgot that was your, no- uh, I knew it was on your list. I forgot yeah. that was your number one. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I feel like that song, like pretty much the entire song just hits you all the way through, but you're right. You know, online songs is a good one, but as far as like, I guess like another song for me that like, I feel like I can just, I can roll down the windows and it'll hit no matter what is Anthem part two. Fuck yeah. You know, like just that instant, like the drum, the da da da. And then the guitar riff that kind of comes underneath it. I can remember right hearing that the first time. Like that really does. That draws you in. It's like a fucking oh, yeah. gunshot. It's like a goddamn oh, gunshot. Yeah. I was just going to say the exact same thing. And it's <laughs> great. Cause yeah, it, it pulls you in immediately. And then, you know, yeah, like the guitar riffing that goes all the way through that song. Like it's quintessential blink, but even with that guitar riffing, like you can, he- like, I mean, we can hear it cause we're blink fans. Some people will just hear it as like, oh, it's Tom's shitty guitar playing. But there is a different tightness to that riff in the beginning. Oh, there really say, like, is. A Dumpweed. Really. Like, Dumpweed is a great intro, but it can definitely easily sound sloppy. Yeah. But, like, Anthem Part 2, like, all the little guitar lines and riffs that he does through the song, and even a little, like, the little octaves, everything's just a little bit crisper, a little bit tighter, and it just has a different punch to it. And maybe it's Travis, you know, 
you know, you know, you know, his drumming, you know, like he stepped it up a bit on this record. The drum tone but, too, my God, one of yeah. his best drum tones on on any of the on yeah. any record he's ever been on. This is one of his best. Yeah, and like that song, like you know, it's such a great you know opener and it's a great punch that like I feel like that's one of those like if I'm in traffic and say that song immediately hits immediately, someone is going to look and be like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> you know, like, that's how I feel. Maybe that doesn't happen, but like, I feel like it happens. <laughs> no, I, I, I get what you're saying. And hopefully some fucking uh, young impressionable kid will be hearing it. Who's never fucking heard blink before and go fall in love with yeah. them. Another thing too, I was just thinking of, you know, and you just brought up the song, which is, Another amazing example, like we were talking about with uh, Give Me One Good Reason, with just the adolescence. I mean, Anthem Part 2 is, like, written almost from the perspective of a fucking teenager. I mean, like, that song really has just this this whole, like, I mean, basically it feels like it's just about, like, yeah, like, fuck the older generation. Like, you know, whatever whatever critiques you have or this or that we don't give a fuck. And also like you're, you know what I mean? If we're fucked up, you're to blame, you know? And yeah. It's, it, it's a timeless song, no matter the generation. And it's not even like technically considered like a real hit. And it's youthful energy. Like, again, like they're, they're honing in on something. Not like they were super old. I mean, they, they'd only been fucking former teenagers for like five or six years or whatever, but like still, you know, I mean, I'm, I can tell you at my age, I'm 28 now. I'm not super older than like Mark was at this point. And like, I can't imagine writing some of those songs that eloquently, like if you're like, write something yeah. about being 18 right now, I I would have to, I don't oh, think I could write geez. anything like, yeah, like I don't, I don't feel like I could write it without it sounding contrived and stuff. Whereas these guys and Tom even more, I would say in particular, because I feel like Mark, Mark less on I mean he still has the youthful ones like shut up and stuff but like again like we were saying that you could kind of hear that as like also a song about like your girlfriend where Tom Tom really I think on this album if we're talking youthful energy and like adolescent lyrics and kind of kind of being the voice for you know people 10 years younger than him like he just fucking hits it and and I, I gotta say I don't know I don't know if this is I feel like other people heard this like me I don't feel like I'm the only one but you tell me for years, up until maybe like five years ago, I always thought he was saying teenage rules, they're fucked damn boring. And obviously it's fucked and boring, but forever. <laughs> I just thought he said fuck damn, which to me doesn't huh. sound weird because they swear so much that I thought it was Tom's way of basically inventing uh, yeah. a new swear word. Like it's not goddamn, well, it's, it's fuck damn. Well, well, he also did like uh, shit fuck. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, that, like, is that that? Would that be that far fetched for Tom DeLonge? Say, teenage rules are fuck damn boring. Like, I don't feel I like guess, that's yeah. that crazy. I, I never, I never even <laughs> thought of it like that because I've always heard it fucked and boring. But like now that you say it, like you're right. Like it totally could have been one of those just weird, like, like slips in there. Hey, just throwing another that, swear word in. That's all. Like. Like, yeah. cause it's phrasing, it's phrasing. You got to hit so many syllables or whatever for the melody. And it's like, well, this works, you know, it's filler. It's like throwing a goddamn or something in there, but it's like, I'll, I'll say fuck damn. And I thought it was like amazing. Yeah. Just like, an, they're very good at that on, on there. I think that's yeah. another, I was going to say it earlier, like story of a lonely guy as cheesy as it might sound. Mark just doing those nanas are like. Like that adds so much to the second half of that song, like towards the outro, like so fucking good. 
Yeah, and it's weird because it's fucking nanas, you know. Yeah, no, it like, should be cheesy. It, it, it should, if you were just yeah. like, if you isolated that, it would probably sound terrible because he's doing it in like a yeah. high register too. They're not like really low bassy like fucking nanas. Like he's hitting pretty fairly high notes for Mark Hoppus. And and yeah, like like by itself probably would sound fucking terrible. Yeah. Yeah, cuz he even he even does it two songs prior in online songs. Oh shit, you're right. I forgot about that. <laughs> God damn. Yeah. Fuck damn, I forgot about that. <laughs> so Look at that. Now, now you're just going to start using that everywhere now. <laughs> oh, I'm telling you dude forever. I I've I've uh I've always loved that. Uh I mean, some of the the other thing about this album, like, you know, sometimes albums will have, like, a certain lyric or two that are just so memorable for maybe the wrong... I don't know if it's the wrong reasons, but, like, not not for them being, like, timeless and stuff. And I'm not saying they're bad, but, like, I just... Like, Reckless Abandon's one of them where just, like, that second verse, like, that... They'll just pop in my head. All of a sudden, I'll just be... For, like, my whole life, I think since I ever first heard that song, like, it'll just be somewhere... And about taking a shit in a tub and feeding a dog drugs and fucking a chick in a parking lot. Like, it's the most, like, it's, yeah. it's the most fucking, like, what the fuck did I just hear? But it, how memorable is that? You know what I mean? Like, it may not be, like, you know, the most clever songwriting or lyrics you've ever heard, but, like, you know, it's not a Bob Dylan lyric, but it's like, you definitely don't forget <laughs> it. Yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, it, and it's so crazy because, like, you know, like, at, at the ages that we were, we're so, like, impressionable when it comes to, like, you know, hearing swears and songs. Oh, and I, dude, like dude, yeah. I, I could remember every fuck that was on that album before I even owned it. Just hearing, like, my parents listen to it, I knew when every fuck and every shit was coming. Like, you, lo- I mean, I still love, and I blame Blink-182, but I still love swear words. I think they're funny. I think like mm-hmm. fuck is just normally a funny w- in the right context. It's normally a funny word. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Uh, Same with like, dick jokes. Like, They're timeless. Me, like, yeah. And like, uh, what was it? Like uh, for me, like, I remember hearing uh, when I was listening to Offspring's uh, smash, like when I was a kid yeah. and hearing the line, you stupid, dumb shit, goddamn mother. I love that line. <laughs> And I remember as a as a child just being like, "Holy shit, this is the coolest thing ever!" Like, like how am I able? To, like how do like how can you do this in a song? How can you swear like that in a song? It's the coolest thing ever. And obviously, you know, Blink does shit like that, you know, throughout this record. But it even like, you know, like that those, those aren't always like the lines that like stick out like in my head, like you said, you know, in. Uh, reckless abandon. You can't forget it. It's just, yeah. So much, dude, 20 in 20 seconds, there's defecation in a tub. There's sex in what I assume is a car in a parking lot. You're feeding dogs like weed brownies. Like a lot is going on in like 15 seconds. A lot. Yeah. It's yeah. And like, even, like, uh, like I, it, I, I've used this a couple times already, but like, you know, this is like even like cornball lyrics that like, you know, will come up. And like, I remember specifically, like, I remember, 
me and my girlfriend at the time, we were going to try to write music together. I was a shitty guitar player and she thought she can sing. So I could, you know, do stuff together. And so like, I'm trying to like help her write lyrics. And I remember like singing these lyrics to her and they were terrible. And well, half of them were terrible and half of them were stolen because (laughs) one of the lyrics that I used and I didn't even think about it, but one of the lyrics that I used was, let me kiss you one last time. Good night. Yeah, and which dude. is, which is c- completely stolen from roller coaster. And I didn't know, like until I sang the words out loud and those lyrics have always stuck with me, not because of that situation, but just because that's like, it's kind of like, like, you know, like a woulda, coulda, shoulda moment in life. You know, it doesn't mean like every girl I've hung out with, Oh, let me kiss you one last time. Good night kind of like oh i'll never see her again or whatever but that feeling of like i just want to you know i just want to remember whatever situation this is and encapsulate it forever before i can no longer experience it whether it was a kiss or like a great moment when you're hanging out with your buddies and it's just like holy shit this is the perfect moment i want to remember this forever and that lyric has stuck with me and I don't use it always in like a, oh, I want a girlfriend. I miss my girlfriend type of way. It's just an encapsulating, like, I want to remember whatever situation this is forever before I don't. <laughs> well, you know, like, like even though my least favorite songs on the album are definitely Rock Show and First Date. And I like First Date a lot more than I like Rock Show. Like, I don't hate Rock Show, but look at There's just songs. It's the same with, like. Like I am that guy. I, I yes, I am too fucking cool for the room or whatever. But I will, I will skip over all the small things. I'm listening to Enema. I tend to skip over. I miss you. Like the big songs, I've heard them enough where I'm, I'm stoked if I hear them on the radio. But I don't need to listen to them in my free time. And uh, I, I will say though, for like first date, like kind of talk what you're talking about. Like they're just very memorable. Like even though they, it may not be a super like deep song or, or filled with much substance. I mean, even just the, like forever and ever, let's make this last forever. Like if you're writing a three minute, like pop, pop rock, like just love song, that's fucking perfect. Like you, you hit it. Like you just did it. It's the same thing where if you're trying to write like Anthem part two about like being a teenager and just saying, fuck you to, you know, the older crowd or your parents or whatever, like, I mean, they, they did it. You know what I mean? Like they, they really, they really did it. Um, I think they were extremely successful on this record. I think, I think on, on all these songs, really, whatever they were trying to convey, I feel like they conveyed it well in all of them. You know what I mean? Like I think, so they stayed mm-hmm. together for the kids. I mean, I, I think they, uh, you know what they were doing on there. I thought they did very well. I thought, uh, you know, and another good vocal delivery actually for that one being a single, you know, obviously, more I that one is just like Adam's song. It's it's such a minor single oh, that it's like I, I don't think it I think it gets so overshadowed by the other two uh two singles. And you know what? Self titled I guess kinda has that with uh I feel like down kinda gets overshadowed. If we're talking about like like later singles, that and always I feel like weren't getting as much love oh, because man. like always is actually one of their best singles. And I think that one actually, I don't have, I don't think I ever even heard always on the radio. I, I saw the music video like on fuse, but I don't think I've ever heard that on the radio And that, you know, just got overshadowed by feeling this and I miss you. 
And, uh, you know, I, I think I think Down overshadowed that more than Always. I don't think Down gets the love it deserves. But if I'm thinking yeah, all, this, I, all of them, I think Always on that record is the most overlooked single. Absolutely. I definitely have heard Down on the radio numerous times. And I don't think I've ever heard Always, which is a shame because Always is such a great song. The video was super cool, like the way it was filmed. Oh, that was so and, fucking cool. I love that video. And I remember, and I remember hearing that like when, when, when they were saying like on MTV, they were going to release the, the new Blink video and it was going to be always, I'm like, holy shit, this is one of my favorite songs off that record. What, what's the video, you know, like, what is it going to be? And like, once I saw it, I was like, oh, this is the best single that they've come out with in years, just because like in my head, I'm like, this song doesn't stereotypically sound like a blink single. It sounds like new wave. It sounds like the cure, like, oh, and it, which is what they're going for on it. But like, I love it. Cause mm-hmm. that song truly, you could make like an eighties mix with like new wave songs and just shit like that. And I really feel like you can throw that song on there and it, it fits like it stands on its own, even like it fits in the scheme of the record, but it also fits outside of it. And that's the other thing too, is, it's a different song, I feel like, for self-titled. Like, it kind of, and I'm tr- I can't remember what song comes before it, but I know that, like, it really is, like, a bre- you know what I mean? It really changes shit up from where it was right before Always. Yeah. Like, Always, like, changes the whole mood of the record there. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. And goddamn that drumming, that is- too. That opening, like, the, the he's hitting the side of the snare, I think, um, you know, is just so fucking good. And that bass line, oh, too. Yeah. That that bass line, Mark, oh, that, uh, that's a solid fucking bass line for Mark. Yeah. Like like I mentioned in the previous episode, like the Alkaline Trio one with Warbrain being like one of the first official bass lines that I learned. Fuck yeah. Uh, always was definitely probably within the next, maybe next five songs that like I actually like took the time and actually learned. And that bass line was so much fun to play. And like, I even tried playing it on guitar the other day, like as a baseline. I don't remember much of it anymore, but I had a great time trying to remember it because I remember like, like having fun playing that as a bass, like bass guitar riff. Do you have a, car, like, do you have a guitar do, next to you right now? Because I feel like you should try for for the audience. You should just no, try I to play it. My guitar is next to me, but I <laughs> I haven't up tried playing that riff in a while. <laughs> I know that's why I want. That's why I'm egging you on because I know it's. <laughs> I'm being a dickhead, I guess. Yeah, you are. <laughs> I always am. When am I not? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I. Uh, you know what's funny, too, is that baseline. he kind of goes back to like what he does in the beginning of Josie. He does the same thing where he's playing uh, two notes at once, and I'm sure there's a real name mm-hmm. for that, but like just the whole time he's, he's just a, playing a two chord? bass notes. <laughs> no, because you know, motherfucker, because in, no, see, here's the thing, motherfucker. In theory, you need three notes to make a chord. That's why I didn't say it was a chord. Okay. All you, right. you at least need three notes, I believe. So watch someone who knows music theory much better than oh, I yeah. do. Someone who didn't take it at a community college uh, write me and tell me I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah, I'm like the worst person to talk like music theory with because like, I don't know shit about dick. And I'm just like, <laughs> oh, power chord, cool, bam, octave riff, sick. Single note riff. Cool. Like, that's it. You got, like, triads and shit, but, like, just two notes is... Because he's not playing chords either. He could be playing... He could... Because he does play power chords sometimes, or he'll play the root and the fifth on the bass, but, like, Mm -hmm. he's not even doing that there. He's he's doing, like... 
Like basically he's playing a uh it's the classic blink chord progression. It's like in all of their songs and he's basically playing it the whole time while holding the root note, while still holding that root note down, I think. I if I, I haven't played always in a while, but I do know it's easy to fuck that and Josie up cuz sometimes I'll go to play one of them and I'll start playing the other cuz they're both on the D and G string and they might even start on the same I I want to say it starts on the same two notes. You start on it on the fourth fret of uh, of both of them. If you're listening to this at home and you have a bass in front of you, go put your fucking uh, <laughs> fingers on the on the fourth fret of the D and D the D and G string and uh, pluck that for us and uh, let us know if it sounds right or or not. <laughs> Pause this uh, and go do that. <laughs> this is an interactive podcast. Wanna... <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Wait. Hey, that was a good riff, guy. Hey, you killed it. Keep going. Good job, buddy. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait, wait, wait. That was a little flat. Let's try it again. Good job, no, buddy. But, like, no, but kind of getting back to uh, the toy patch really quick. Um, another thing that I feel like that they did really well with this, and it's oddly enough, it's not even like the songs that made the record, but it's clearly the songs that didn't make it and ended up being the, the deluxe like special edition versions that they made. Mm-hmm. And like for blink fans, I don't know, or like, I guess music in general, but for this specifically in blink, there's not many bands that I'm really aware of off the top of my head where like their hidden tracks are like amongst the main fans or just as well known as the hits. Like the only other band who really comes to mind. Okay, yeah, 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 that totally works as well. Like, you talk to a Blink fan, and they'll know all the small things just as well as, like, a what went wrong or fuck a dog or, like, yeah. don't tell me that it's over. Like, it, it, it's one of those weird things that, like, they were never hits, clearly. They were on, they were technically, like, almost, like, hidden bonus tracks on the special editions because Please Take Me Home had, like, like was it a was it technically 182 seconds of silence before those songs? Kicked yeah, in there's like a that? big old break in between. There is, and, and if you forget about it, all of a sudden you get scared because then the bonus tracks start playing. Yeah, and yeah, it's one of those few things where it's just like I know so many Blink or just like pop punk fans that know like they know fuck a dog and that song's hysterical and that's always in like their funny like playlist or they're funny like hey i'm gonna go fuck with this person really quick and it's just like they have that song and they know it just as well as like you know the biggest hit that blink ever put out and i think there's something so unique about you know songs like that that have such a cultural impact in the scene or in like the the fan base that somehow these songs are so big that like no one should have really heard these songs to begin with but (laughs) They're they're just as well known amongst the community as the hits, and I think that's something great. And it's one of the few things that Blink did really well, especially on this album. I I, I think you're uh, I think you're very right about that. I think we're gonna uh, you know I, I think like I like I said we'll keep this one kind of short and sweet. So we'll like start wrapping it up here. But a couple thoughts on take off your pants and jacket uh, to go back to that here. Do Mark and Tom, which one do you think had the better songs on here? I'm, I got to go oh. Mark. Hmm. Hmm. It's hard, That's but I'm tough. going Mark. 
yeah, no. Shit, because every time I look for you, it's such a, like, my favorite fucking song. And so is <laughs> online songs on this. I feel like he matured Lyr- lyrically. Mm. He really, he stepped up his game on this one. I, I w- that's why I will say, if we're going, while you think of your answer and while I sway you with what I'm saying, obviously, <laughs> um, like, here's why I'll say it. Tom, it, it's what we've been talking about, and I've been mentioning this whole episode. Tom on this record encapsulates what it's like to be 15, what it's like to be 13, what it's like to be 17, you know, like like whatever, be infatuated with a girl, break up with a girl, fucking do dumb shit with your friends, give dogs fucking weed brownies, like all those things. And, and like, you know, they're great songs, but like I said, those are songs where I feel we have a better connection with them because we heard them at the age that we heard them. And if you hear those songs at that age, they're fucking magical. They're the greatest things you can ever hear. They leave a huge lasting impression on you. Obviously, they have a huge impact on us. Later on in life, they don't have the same thing. Now, with the Mark songs on this record, I feel like they've aged the best in the sense of you maybe could hear this record. I'll say this, and, and actually here, this is, this is the last thing I'll say about it, and then I'll let you say whatever you're going to say, whether Mark or Tom. You know, as you as you've talked about before, you do that Saturday thing where where like at work you'll listen to albums that were like big that you didn't give a chance, you didn't used to like. I think if you had never heard this record before and you never get or just say you never gave it a chance or whatever, and you listen to it on one of these Saturday things you do, I see you liking the Mark songs more than Tom. I see you telling me you may like some of the Tom songs, but probably more the singles. I see you not liking every time I, or not every time, I see you liking that one. I see you not liking uh, Give Me One Good Reason, maybe not Shut Up, maybe Anthem Part 2 you may still like, but not as much. Like I see you being, I think, someone who came to this record later on, maybe even if they weren't Blink fans, could maybe hear one or two songs and go, oh, I still, like, I like that. I didn't know Blink sounded like that, and I think they'd be Mark songs. And that's all I'm going to fucking say. Yeah, I I, I would say this because it's definitely kind of like a coin flip right now, but like it it, it kind of depends on like I guess my like my, my life because like as a kid, like yes, I was a Tom DeLonge like fanboy. And, I'm, and kid, you know what? Here, let me and, say this. I'm sorry for interrupting you. I don't know why I just <laughs> had to do that. I 100 percent when I first heard this record, no Tom DeLonge songs were the songs that got those were the songs when i got into this record at 13 the best songs on this record were tom songs for the first five five six seven fucking years uh, i you know what i'll say first 10 i'd say about first 10 years of liking this album tom would have been the songs that i picked after 22 or 23 i now shift and i i will say the mark songs but I think I think that goes for just about every Blink release. I probably originally would have said uh, Tom, and as I'm older, I would go Mark. Now I'm sorry. That was a very I'm sorry for yeah. interrupting you. No, well, no, because that's kind of what it's at. It's like if I'm trying to like think nostalgically and like really listen, like like the songs, and that, that's like, the problem. I was listening to as a kid, it's the Tom songs. As I'm an, a, an adult, I definitely relate more to the Mark Hoppus side of things. So it, it, it's tough to call like what songs I like more because I loved the Tom songs as a kid and I still love them now as an adult. I don't have the same feelings towards some of them except for maybe like Anthem Part 2. Well, yeah, and Anthem Part 2 and Story of a Lonely Guy specifically. 
Those are good um, ones. Maybe even, maybe even Reckless Abandon a little bit, just because that's way, way useful. Yeah, that's a that's where a classic. Be, That'll yeah. always be a classic where, in like, my eyes too. Where, like, at least as an adult, Anthem Part Two does have some adult topics, you know, pol- politics, oh, yeah. and, you know, kind of be, being screwed over. Like even like me as a thirty three year old guy, like I still like be, feel like sometimes that I'm just being fucked over by like the man or like you know the the older generation, quote unquote, like my you know my parents' generation. So like, I still kind of get that feeling. And Story of a Lonely Guy is just like kind of like an anthem for me where I am in my life, but also like the Mark Hoppus songs, like they, they haven't really like aged themselves too much. Like, yeah, you can pick out little things here and there. Like it just like the title online songs. Like (laughs) no one's really, no one's really online anymore. Like if you really think of like the term online, it's like we're all connected nowadays just via social media and like, Online isn't like going on AOL anymore. You don't even really have screen like, names. No one calls it a screen name no. anymore. I mean, it's a username is basically a screen name, I guess. But yeah, but no, I don't hear anyone be like, "Hey, what's your screen name?" Yeah, no one. I no, would, I would like, punch hey. someone in the fucking face if they asked me what my screen name was. I'd punch yeah, them in the fucking it, face. Now it's it's either what's uh, what's your username or what's uh or just like what's your social media? Yeah, you know, what's your fucking socials. Two, what's your handles? Yeah. Yeah, the handles. Yeah, what's your handles? Uh, but yeah, no. So I would have to say, like, all in all, if I'm just like young, young Kyle, adult Kyle, duke it out right now for the songs. Uh, you know what? I'll, I'll lean towards Tom. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah, man. Yeah. There ain't no right or and wrong not, answer. It, yeah, it's not by much, but, you know, it's a coin flip. But right now, like, I would say Tom songs, like, even though I love Mark as an adult, like, and I love his the way he like is really smart and witty about his lyrics. Like he has youthfulness, but there's still like, you know, good adult, like, you know, relatable things. Yeah. I still love it. But yeah, I think Tom just like, I think Tom still hits home pretty well. I, I, I feel like Tom's songs, and this isn't always, it isn't always this case, but like there's a lot of cases where I feel like Tom writes songs about being in high school. Mark wrote songs about being in college. If that makes sense, I, I feel like oh, yeah. Tom wrote the high school songs. Mark wrote the songs about being in college, like like the years well, after, you know, like a few years after high school, basically. Well, check this out. Put it in an American Pie form. The first movie, what's the song that they play? Mutt. Oh, Whose song yeah. is that? Tom's. Oh shit, dude! Goddamn, bro. And then and then and then God in the damn. second movie, they're in college. What's the first song in that movie? You blow my fucking every mind. Time every time I look for you. Goddamn, dude! I like this. Look at that. <laughs> Fuck, you're blowing my mind. You really are. You're blowing my mind right now, man. God damn. Uh, I fucking love man, that. Good. Yeah, they, they really, they really, uh, yeah, you're right. And and it is. I, I feel that way. Now, what did pop in my head, though, I will say there is one exception on this record. I think that as I've gotten older, the one Tom song that I think I like more as I'm older than I did when I was younger was Please Take Me Home. I think that one's more of a more if we're talking about that, I feel like that's more of a college age than a high school age song. I feel like that one's a little you can kind of relate to that more and not just have to be a thing of like, oh, yeah, like, a, you know, like being 15 years old. I feel like that's one where Tom hits more of just a basic, you know, fucking, uh, you know, just basic kind of thing like Mark does. Like, that's the thing. That's the thing about Mark is he's writing songs, I think, on that record that I think you can relate to at any age. Whereas the Tom stuff, it's more nostalgic. You're either relating to it 
because while the time you're listening to it, you're a teenager or you're listening to it years, 20 years later, like we are now and remembering what it was like when we were young and still had promise and fucking weren't old and jaded like we uh, are now. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Could have said it better myself. <laughs> Oh, um, right. uh, uh, I mean, and, and if you got anything else too, we can definitely, uh, uh, talk about anything else you have. But the only other thing I was thinking about was, uh, another question just to bring up before we kind of close it down is any songs on this that you think of should have been singles. And I'll also throw this in. It's a two-parter songs that weren't singles that you thought have been singles. And are there any songs on the record where you think hindsight shouldn't be on there? Um, you know, I, you know, we kind of brought this up before, like, you know, I don't tell me that it's over. It's a B side, but it's such a massive song, like that, musically yeah, yeah, yeah. that it definitely should have been even just on the bass record, but it has the, it has the, that feeling of like, kind of like a hit song. Cause like, I, like, you know, it's one of those, like in my head, like if I were to make a music video of it, it would play out exactly how the lyrics go. Like, like the very opening lines, like I hear the phone, it rings so violently. Like you, the video can like on like a normal, like corded dialed house phone and it zooms in and the phone just starts ringing. And that's how the song hits. And that's how the video goes. And it just follows the lyrics beat for beat. Um, But like, don't tell me that it's over. I think would have been, even what went wrong realistically. Um, that which would have been so neat because that would have been essentially up until like the California era, that would have been their first acoustic release as like a hit or like a single. Ooh, boxing song, day. I guess. Well, boxing. I, I, I would I say guess boxing day, day was kind. Yeah, I mean that technically that was a single. I guess yeah, but yeah, I mean what went wrong definitely has that feel of like kind of like a like a, like a hit of sorts, but I guess, uh, like every time I look for you, even like reckless abandon, I felt like could have been a, a hit. Yeah. I, I could see, and, you know what, including at the time now that you say that at the time and what was on like, say rock radio or alternative radio, that intro and everything, I think would have worked fucking perfectly in like a block of music on like fucking K rock or you know, whatever, whatever, like alternative radio station, you know, you were listening to in 2001, Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I guess if, if any song could have been like taken off or maybe and you don't have to, but record. I'm just saying if there's one you don't care uh, for, could remove, I won't force you to take anything you don't want no. off. <laughs> I would, I would say probably shut up and please take me home just because they are kind of, you know, so far into the record that like, I feel like they could be off and replaced by one of these other songs, but they, I don't feel like they'd fit in anywhere else except for this era of blink. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Those B sides. What I love about them is they do, they sound like, like they are a time and place. You don't, I I think even if you heard them and didn't know what era they came from, I feel like if you knew, if you'd at least heard all of blinks records, you could probably pinpoint and go, Oh, this is probably like from the take off your pants and jacket era. It's very time and place. I don't think they ever recorded those songs during Enema, and they never would record those songs during self-titled. Yeah, I can see that. I I will say too, um, 
You know, I feel like, and, and we mentioned this on the boxcar racer record I, or episode. I remember us talking about this, but like, I'm totally with you. I think in a world where uh, where there is was a hit single, I think what went wrong would have also been a, a good fucking single. Like, it, it's another. It's like it's that thing where, and you know, really, that's kind of on the record labels fucking side too, because they could have. They could have tried marketing it like, oh, here's the... And I think they did it to a degree with Stay Together for the Kids where it's like, this is the more serious side of the band. But it's like, they could have kind of done that where it's like, oh, you know this band who at this point, you know, you're familiar with like all the small things and what's my age again? Like that funny band who runs around naked. And then you hit them with uh, what went wrong. And it's like, you know, again, it's not the world's deepest song, but it's like an acoustic, you know, it's acoustic and kind of like well-written sad track and it's like it shows a different side of them you know i I think that would have been interesting the parallels are too close but i'm going to say it anyway it would have been their good riddance Ooh, fuck do you think okay now let me ask you this do you think it would have been as big for them because now i think it could have been a okay because i was going to say i feel like it could have been a big song for them but i don't feel like it would have been as big as is that because i feel like that's one of green day's biggest songs like probably even in like top three or four most well-known Green Day songs. And I feel like this song would have been a decent-sized hit, but I don't feel like it would have overshadowed even, like, First Date or The Rock Show. I think it probably would have mm-hmm. met the same fate as, like, Stay Together for the Kids in terms of popularity. Yeah, yeah like, and the thing with, like, Good Riddance, the thing that would make made it so different by comparison, realistically, is that Good Riddance kind of, like, at least from probably our generation, maybe a little bit older. I don't know about much younger, but that became like every like graduation song. Every fucking ever. graduation. Yeah. And no, like you can't do what went wrong for that, obviously, but like what went wrong would have been like the staple, like breakup, like acoustic yeah. song for kids in that same age window. Now, again, like that's, you know, it's not the same, like, like graduation songs. Those are like, big fucking mainstream like what's it, vitamin c like, i was just thinking of vitamin song, c you know yeah graduation you know, like, th- that's a diff- that's a completely different vibe obviously but like as far as like how good of a hit what went wrong could have been and like the amount of people like even fans that weren't blink fans probably could have heard that song and been like i fucking feel that song well, that's no. why I feel like that song just like there is. Like if you put that out, yeah, even people who wouldn't have liked the rest of the Boxcar Racer record still would have loved the fuck out of that song. They they would not change the channel when they heard it on the radio. They may not have given a fuck about I Feel So or anything else on the record, but you could have – there's so many people who would have at least just – and, I, you know, yeah, that was a single technically there is. And I guess that's maybe not so much on the record label. That's just the song didn't get as big. But, I mean – you know, none of those boxcar racer songs got as big as they should have. But with this one, yeah, they didn't try at all. You know, at least with There Is, there's a music video and it was technically a single. With uh, What Went Wrong, I mean, fuck, it's buried as a B-side on a on a bonus CD that you had to go buy, too. It's not even like the standard edition. Like, that song's buried when you think about it. You know what I mean? And like you said, oh, yeah. Blink fans, it's cool because they know these songs, like, you know, it, which is very cool. But it's like, really, yeah, when you think about it, those bonus songs, as good as they are, that's pretty buried because they're not on everyone. They were on limited. Like, now they're easy to find because, I mean, then I, the internet, you know, you probably could find them too on yeah. the internet. But, like, now they're very easy and accessible to find. Then it's like, I mean, if you weren't finding them on LimeWire or something, you had to go find one of 
I think it was limited to a million copies. I don't know of each or if all of three of them collectively, but I know gotcha. I know it was a million copies. Which uh, I mean, for as big as that record was, fairly you know that's fairly limited when you think of uh, yeah. how big they were. And then even on top of that, like there's like songs like "Time to Break Up," which is still a great song, but like the 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 closest thing to a mainstream audience that it ever got to, and this is like a huge stretch, is when All Time Low covered it on like one of those Pacific Ridge oh, fuck, yeah. Blink One Eighty Two. I forgot about that uh, releases, and then even like on the same. Uh, there's people who think that's an All Time uh, Low song for sure. Yeah, I can see that, but also like a song like Mother's Day, which <laughs> how like that's like okay, stupid song, yes, but like how many Blink fans have you seen? only post that song just on mother's day because it's Me, funny every year yeah I, <laughs> on the power court hour page every, on every power court hour social media page <laughs> yeah yeah and, you have to it's you know, juvenile and funny yeah so like like there's certain songs that are so niche or like they're so far removed that like the only way you can hear them realistically nowadays is through someone like us being an idiot being like oh mother's day he, he, he. you know what's so funny or about like that a- sorry sorry I, but i'm just like yeah. no, no. i just can't stop laughing at thought of it because the funny thing about that is i mean yes you post it for people who are also blink fans to be like oh haha that's funny the funnier thing though is people who've never heard it and go what is mm-hmm. this song that's being posted yeah. on mother's day and that they they hit play and just I'll be fucking and sucking and touching, fucking and sucking and touching. Like that's yeah. like again, I'm a fucking juvenile, I, and I blame Blink for my sense of humor. But like that at 28 is so funny to me. That's as funny as it ever was. Like it's as funny to me as it was when I was like 15 or 16. Like that's oh, just yeah. fucking hilarious. Yeah, and then like, yeah, like, like fucking. Fuck yeah! Like when you fuck grandpa too. Like, you, it, like you post that fucking video online, and like either a no one's gonna click on it because they think like, okay, here's some. He accidentally up, posted like, porn. Yeah, he either got his fucking Facebook account hacked and now he's just posting porn, or you're gonna get those fucking goofy like blink fans that are like, oh shit. I haven't heard the song in a while. I have to hear it, you know? And that's fucking funny. Fuck a dog. Same way. You see that, you're like, uh, no. Uh, no, you, a random person's not going to want to even consider that. But, like, anyone in, like, the pop punk Blink-182 community, they see that and they know, and it's just like, God fucking, yes. Fuck yeah, that's funny. Even in, like, by today's standards, like, maybe we're just two crude motherfuckers that just have a terrible sense of humor still. But, like, there's going to be someone out there with our same sense of humor and even if they're not our age and they see that and they listen to it, they're like, that's fucked up and hysterical. <laughs> yeah. well, dude, dude, I think we talked about it on an older episode, but like, like you talked about like, like talking to a younger guy who didn't know who blink was. I mean, yeah, I think that probably yeah. they're not as big as they once were, but I still have to believe that like no matter Cause it's just like people before us. I mean, I, I feel like you could ask generations of the fucking seventies, eight, like, like anything like, you know, long before blink even, it's like just being 13 or 14 or 15 or whatever. And yeah, those songs, like the dick jokes, the music videos, like the whole aesthetic of Blink-182. Like, you know, I mean, obviously maybe the wardrobe and shit might might be outdated at certain times. But like the message and the music and like that whole youthful energy and shit. Like I just have to imagine that it doesn't matter 
like there's still young people finding it. You know what I mean? Like it will just always be one of those things where it's like, it doesn't matter what generation you just have to be young and angsty and it's going to speak to you. Like, you know, that that record will what, and as whether or not it stays huge. I mean, the other thing is in 20 years, maybe, you know, now you hear the rock show and first date fucking on everything to this day, but maybe in another 20 years, blink is forgotten. But it's like, even if that's the point, even if that happened, which hopefully it doesn't, but even if that happened, I think even then you'd have young people still finding, you know, maybe the obscure cool thing. I mean, who knows? Maybe in 20 years, it will be like the cool hip band to like because no one's listening to them anymore. Like the cool, obscure old band. But like, you know, I mean, really, it'll be like a time where like now, like it'll be the equivalent of like, listen, like, and I love Buddy Holly's good shit. Like I listen to Buddy Holly, but that's very, very old. You know what I mean? Like that's. Mm-hmm. That's not something that I would say every 28-year-old is listening to. And there's going to come a time where with Blink, it's not going to be – and I think we're already there where it's not on the standard 18-year-olds, you know, whatever. I think there was a time where, again, it doesn't matter what genre you were into. I think there were certain years and eras where, you you know, in your CD case, it doesn't matter what else you had. You, you had a copy of Enema of the State or you had a copy of Take Off Your Pants and Jacket or you had a copy – of self-titled like i i think it transcended it was just more of an age and generation thing for uh you know for a long time and i think it'll stay that way you know it'll be it'll yeah. be it'll be like the young thing where like again it's like you know buddy holly at one point was that for young people and maybe it's not anymore but it's like there was a time and same with blink but again you can yeah. still look back it may not be the hot thing in 20 years but again there could still be young people who are hearing this going oh fuck this speaks to me you know, I mean, and I think that's what a good record does, you know, a uh, less than Jake. I, I, I've said this on here. Ooh, I was yeah. talking, I was talking about losing streak, uh, I think a few episodes ago, but like I didn't hear losing streak until it was out for like probably 10, 12 years. But like, even when I heard it in like, I don't know, 2013, 2014, like it was a long fucking time. Like, and I'd listened to less than Jake for years before I heard that whole record. But even at that time, even that record being, you know, a decade plus old, it still spoke to me as like a 22 year old going like, Oh fuck. Like they wrote this album for someone in their early twenties. Like, you know, that, that transcends just your, you know what I mean? Like people of a certain age, like that will, that will transcend to just people who just are dealing with life. You know, it doesn't matter how old the record is. It's like, yeah, this record came out 20 years ago, but like it speaks to me on the same level today as it probably did, you know, 20 years ago and I, I i think i think blink will will continue to have that on the same level as they do now no sadly not but no one does you know what i mean it, it, it just that doesn't happen you know nobody there's yeah. there's kids now who don't know who the fuck the beatles or elvis are and if you told that to somebody in the 1960s they would they'd go like they they just wouldn't believe you you know what i mean it's like yeah that's just life you know the pop culture and everything moves on and uh you know but but they'll always i think always have a fucking uh little little mark in pop culture or a big one really not a small one i think i think they'll always have a pretty big mark for uh you know decades and decades of pop culture but uh yeah yeah i i don't know i mean i I've, i'm kind of uh out of things i fucking love this record i mean is there anything else you want to touch on or talk about as we uh close up here um not necessarily but i do want to say one little thing and i had a kind of look this up and backtracking my head a little bit of this conversation, but we actually touched on every song 
released with this record. Wait, whether did we? B-sides or not. We touched on every song in some way, shape, or form. Wait, I think we have to learn how to do this then because we've only been doing this for 90 minutes. And, uh, you know, if anyone's ever heard us touch on every song on an album, it normally takes five fucking hours. God damn. Hey, we're learning. Look at that. Yeah, we're, we're got maybe that's the way to do it is to not not have it. Funny enough, the the least structured episode that I literally texted you like two hours ago, you and Zach yeah. and went, hey, if you're around, this is random and it's not even a main episode. It's just kind of like a bonus thing. Like today's the anniversary. Want to fucking talk about take off your pants and jacket? And you're right. And we really, we really did. We went way more in depth than I thought we would. But in a really short amount of time. Look at that. Twenty twenty one. New new uh New New Year New, new Us. Yeah. New Year halfway, New Us. Ha- it took us halfway through, but but we're hey. doing it. And and I mean Look at I that. mean our we're boy, growing up just like Blink did. I well I guess this is growing up. That's another great fucking line. <laughs> our boy I he couldn't be here and his phone might have been dead actually, because I talked to him earlier in the day uh via Via which was very confusing because Zach that Zach's phone died and he messaged me earlier with huge fucking shout out to Zach. If you listen to the show, you fucking have heard him on tons of episodes. But uh, my boy got me uh, dirty nil cassettes for Record Store Day, which I was not expecting. That was very nice of him because I really fucking wanted those. But uh, anyways, his phone died, so he messaged me on someone's Facebook, but it wasn't his, and they weren't my friend. So like, and I didn't read the whole message. At the end, it was like, oh hey, it's Zach. My phone died. But all it said was, hey, don't buy those dirty nil cassettes. And, like, at first I'm like, what the fuck? Like, who's this per? Like, and how did they know? Because I was thinking about buying those dirty nil cassettes. But, like, I didn't really tell anyone. I mean, I, I guess I told you and Zach the one day in the group chat. But, like, I really didn't, like, post online. Like, hey, I want these dirty nil cassettes. So I got so fucking confused. And then I read more and it's like, oh, don't get them because I got them for you. And I'm like, who the fuck? Like, like a stranger's telling me not to buy him, and they bought him for me. What the fuck? And then I and then I read on, and yeah, it, it was Zach. But a uh, huge shout out to him for that. And uh, yeah, it would have been it would have been rad to have him on. I know he loves this record. I'll speak for him and say that he thinks this is a fucking dope record, and uh, he loves take <laughs> off your pants and jacket. And I think it's probably one of his favorite. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna like fucking tell you what his top three are because that wouldn't be very right. But I would assume. If I was a gambling man, and I kind of am, I do enjoy gambling. Actually, I would probably put money down that this record's in his top three. I would probably, probably. You, you, yeah, right. You think so? I mean, you know, you know Zach well enough. I'd say from uh, talking to him and shit. I feel like uh, I feel like this would be up there for him. I also say it like there's so many. There's really not that many Blink records when you start to think about it, because then it gets to like. Like I love some albums. Like some of their records are like okay. Like Neighborhoods is good. But I'm not, it's just, I just know that's not going to be like top three. Like you get to a point where it's like, I don't feel like they have that many records in the grand scheme of things. Cause when you start thinking about it again, like you couldn't do top 10 and even, even a top five is kind of like, I, I don't feel like that would be all that difficult. Well, and also the problem is that like the, the, the amount of gaps in between albums in the later years. Yeah, that's true. Like yeah, that. that's very true. So you forget that like there was years with no record or no band in general. So like you would think like after like for fans like us, like out of all the songs that we know, you would think there'd be more like records like associated, but there's really not. And like, I always laugh when I see like, when I look at like a random bands, like 
in like uh, Wikipedia or something, and it's like fourteen studio albums and like nine LP, like nine EPs. I'm like, holy shit! Oh, dude, done nine full lengths. Like, it's so weird. Dude, I I was I don't know how I got on Johnny Cash's Wikipedia page the other day. I don't know, and I and this isn't his final record. I think this record was like from the '80s or '90s, but I, I like clicked on just one of his records. And it said it was his 69th studio album. Like, what the fuck? Like, what the nice. fuck? I mean, yeah, number one, nice. And number two, like, they can't be, like, after after a while, are they, because that's the other thing, too, with, with uh, bands with a whole lot of records. Like, after a while, you also go, well, what's the quality of those? Because it's like, are you just putting them out to put them out? Like... You know, so I will I will say that, and, but I would. You know what I just thought of too, and I'll shut the fuck up here because, like we said, we were closing up as I keep talking. But uh, you know, Angels and Airwaves for being a band who's been together for like I think fifteen, sixteen years. I can't off the top of my head think of how many albums they have, but they have to have at least five or six full lengths. They have to have almost as many as Blink has had for being a band for twenty something years. I mean, there. We don't need to whisper. I Empire, Love Part One, Love Part Two, uh, the Dream Walk or whatever the fuck. That's five, and I think there's another one or two after that, like Chasing uh, Shadows. Maybe. Uh, I, I really don't know off the top of my head. Like, <laughs> you know what? Like, I have my I, phone I, in front of me. I let yeah, me look the because yeah, now I gotta look. Cause, I'm, literally, I'm literally scrolling through Wik, uh, Wikipedia right now. Okay, well, dude. Do you see uh, how many studio albums they got, bro? So they show at least like for discography. Uh, we, uh, oh yeah, they got five. Yeah, got yeah. That's just that they got EPs and shit too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because and like even like we're kind of going off the rails here, but for like, like a nanosecond, like Love Part Two, like Love Part Two was weird because it was a lot more like it was pretty much just like almost like instrumentally type stuff. And like, yeah, they had like love part one was much guess, better. Well, I mean, I guess technically no, that was for the movie. They like split it between like the actual like album. Oh, and you like know what? I think you're, stuff yeah, like, I think you're right. Part two was more like the soundtrack for, for the, uh, out or for the movie. Yeah. They'd have like weird, like, like I did go see that in movie theater in the songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like not. Yeah. That's kind of where I lose it. Where I'm just like, and hey, yeah. Tom, Tom should do what he wants. Like I'm all for it. Like do what you want, man. Like, you know, I I got the records that uh, I want to hear. I mean, obviously, I'd love to hear them do more Blink, but like, yeah. As far as my interest gauge in a lot of like the newer Angels and Airwaves stuff, I'm just like, yeah, it's not for me. You know, I can acknowledge. I think yeah. it's cool. Good for him for uh, you know experimenting so much and going so farther from just being you know, someone who plays like three chord, you know, pop punk, you know, like good for him for doing that. But yeah, it's not, it's just not my thing, you know? Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So I mean, but take off your pants and jacket. It's really good. <laughs> yeah. Fucking rule. Yeah, exactly. Happy 20th to that. And, uh, hopefully you've enjoyed this bonus PCH, which I mean, goddamn, it's like an hour 40. So it's like a real episode. I'm calling it a bonus, but you fuckers just got like a full episode and, uh, give me a follow at power chord hour, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, follow us on Spotify. We put up playlists from the radio show there every week. And uh, listen to the radio show every Friday night, 10 to midnight Eastern on 107.9 WRFA in Jamestown, New York. And you can uh, stream that from anywhere in the world at WRFALP.com. You'll see the big old streaming button. 
and uh, do that. And hit me up, powercordhour@gmail.com. I got free Power Court Hour stickers. I'll send you some, or you just want to talk shit, tell us that uh, our opinions are wrong or that they are right, any of that, good or bad, uh, hit me up, powercordhour@gmail.com. Right, right? Send hate mail there, too. Yeah, sure. And if you don't like it, you can fuck a dog in the ass. I think there's a song. <laughs> Wait, that's Grandpa, though. Yeah, when you fuck Grandpa, yeah. Damn it, I fucked up the joke. All right, you fucked it. the wrong one. Dude, you... <laughs> How funny is that? Okay, this is why, and this is what we should end on. This is why this no. album's so good. The fact that you could mix up a song about fucking a dog, you mixed up with a song about fucking your own grandfather. The fact that those two songs are on one album... I just want you to think about that for a second, that it's uh, even possible a, for you to mistake on a record. I'm a terrible Blink fan. No, I'm Everyone, not calling you out. Send your hate mail to me. Just at, ha- No, yeah. I'm not giving out my email. Just send, send hashtag Joser. Send, send your hate mail to the, at, the, at the Kyle Steven on Instagram or Kyle Steven on Twitter and tell me how much of an idiot I am. And follow him while you're at it. He's a good follow. And a good buddy. And a good fucking talk. And probably a good husband. <laughs> so hit him up. He's probably a great husband. Let's kiss each other. Oh, fuck yeah. To blink? It's only blink. To only blink. Let me kiss you one last time. <laughs> good night.